wanted to start tonight by <clears throat> telling you uh, a little bit about us and our journey. I won't take the entire time doing that. And then a little bit of um, what God, we, we feel like God has laid on our heart to do um, with your help and with those that are already ministering down there. We don't, you know, if it's not broke, don't fix it, right? And I know a lot of great things are happening already, and we're excited just to be a part of that. Um, and in talking with the pastor and Mary and Brother Tim, uh, my wife and I have prayed extensively about, you know, is this God's will for us? And we believe that it is um, for this season. Um, we're still doing uh, Go Global. We were here last year and shared that with you, and, and that's working well. And so we're excited about what God's doing there. Also, I'm a little bit out of breath. Can I, is there an elevator in this building? I wish somebody would have told me that because I got to tell you, those stairs in the front, you know, you, we were talking about tonight, we got out of our car and we parked, parked down at the bottom. I think the last time we were here, we parked across the street and we climbed the stairs and, you know, you want people to be friendly to you when you come to church, but you're really hoping that somebody doesn't want to hold a conversation at the top of the stairs because you're, it's not possible, at least not for me. Uh, those stairs are brutal. I, point me to the elevator next time and I'll take the elevator. But, um, you know, I knew I was back in West Virginia because I, I got with Brother Bart to mic me up before church started. And I said, you know, I, I, right before I came up, I said, I feel like this is sliding around on my head. I had first asked him, now Bart, I know you, you know me, so no tricks, okay? If I slip out to the restroom with this microphone on, please don't turn it on. Oh, I would never do that. And I believe him. So when I said I feel like this thing is uh, slipping a little bit, one of the other sound people said, well, we have a fix for that, and it's duct tape. Uh, so I, I knew I was back in West Virginia when I saw that. Um, you don't have to be offended. I'm from West Virginia, so it's, it's, oh, it's all on me too. Uh, let, let me start by asking God to bless our time together, that his name would be honored and glorified. Would you pray with me, please? Father, we are so grateful to be recipients of your grace. Um, words cannot begin to describe how desperate, and as the pastor shared this morning, hopeless we were until we encountered the grace of God through the person of his son, Jesus. And we are so thankful for his sacrifice. Lord, it's because of you that we are anything at all. So unworthy, yet worthy by your grace and by your precious Son. And we thank you and praise you tonight. Lord, may you bless our time together. May it be fruitful. May uh, hearts be open to the ministry that you want to start uh, down at Ebenezer because we want it to be your plan and not ours. And God, we pray that in advance you will bring fruit for the labor that will take place there. You'll bring souls of men, women, boys, and girls who desperately need Jesus as their Savior, and they would hear the gospel and accept you into their heart and life. That's our prayer. We just want you to be glorified in all that is said and done. And so bless our time together this evening. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I'm going to take you to Scripture here in just a few moments, but let me start, as I said, by giving you a little bit of our background. Some of you know us. I, was, I met Bob and Becky this this evening, um, right as we sat down. And they said they've been here around two, two years. Is that right? And I said, well, we're newer than you all are, but not really. But it feels like that because we don't really know a lot of people anymore. A lot of faces that we were familiar with have 
uh, gone one place or another or, or gone home to heaven. Um, but it's such a joy to be uh, back at Lewis. Um, and we kind of started our, our ministry here. Uh, we helped Brother Aaron a little bit in his class. And then God moved us on. And through a long course of events, we served at a church in Clarksburg, West Virginia, um, under Pastor Bruce McBride for a couple years. And God laid in our hearts to go to the Liberty and Finish Seminary in residence. So we did that. And I'm kind of giving you a, a, our, our story in a nutshell here, so if you'll bear with me. Uh, we took an established church right out of seminary, and we were there for a little while, but we always knew that God uh, was calling us to plant new churches. We love to see something come to birth, you know, f- from nothing, if you will, just start from scratch, someone said. And that's kind of just the way we're wired. And so we took advantage of every opportunity for service that God would give us, including our first established church. But we always knew in our heart that one day he would open a door and allow us to plant a new work. And he did just that. Uh, we started a church right out, our first church plant um, as a married couple, uh, right out of um, Lynchburg, on the outskirts of Lynchburg in a little town called Evington. We started a church there and we saw God do amazing things. One of the hardest things we ever did in our ministry was to turn that church over uh, and move on as church planters often do. Um, and not, not always, but often. And so that was very difficult for us, but God moved us to Northwest Ohio. We were initially supposed to start a church with a group of churches uh, in uh, an area right outside of Springfield. And that, that didn't quite work, work out like we were told it would, and, and that's okay because God has a bigger plan than us, amen? And so he moved us to a little church to do a restart uh, in a town called St. Mary's, Ohio. And we just wrapped that up a couple years ago. And uh, God has moved us uh, back to this area. And so that's kind of a fast, quick version of who we are. Uh, if you don't know us, we would love to meet you. Uh, and we'll be fast friends, I'm sure. Um, but uh, we're excited about the opportunity that God has given us here. Um, one of the greatest blessings in our lives on a human level, and I say this uh, not to embarrass anyone, but, but just to, to say it because it's true. One of the greatest blessings that God has given to my wife and myself is the opportunity to meet your pastor and his wife. Uh, They have been such a blessing to us over the years. I I wish I could tell you, had the time to tell you stories of how we passed a $50 bill around over and over and over again, back and forth. Um, And uh, that's a story for another time. But um, just your pastor's heart for people, um, both lost and Believers uh, is just amazing. Um, and he and his wife have been such an inspiration and a blessing to us. And we are so thankful for them and such, such a privilege and honor to work alongside them as we see uh, this church in God's will come together. So that's kind of who we are. My son and his wife, uh, Ben, and his wife, Gwen, are here with us tonight. My wife, Pam, is here, and she threatened me if I made her come up on this platform that she would never cook for me again. Uh, and so I will not do that because I love to eat. <clears throat> but uh, it's, uh, um, they're going to be working with us uh, there at Ebenezer, and we're so excited about that as well. Ben and his wife moved back home uh, to help us in the church, and so we're thankful for their sacrifice uh, leaving Lynchburg and, and coming here to be with us, and we're excited. Uh, God has just um, opened so many doors already. Some I've shared with the pastor, some I've not had the chance to do that. But 
uh, it seems like in the last few weeks, everywhere we go, we meet people who are interested in what God can do and wants to do there uh, in inner city Huntington and, and how they'd like to be a part of that. And so, um, as Pastor said, a church plant is a process. Um, it's not just hanging out a shingle and saying, here, we're having church, you know, come one, come all. Uh, you can certainly do that. But oftentimes, it's a recipe for disaster. And so we've learned the hard way uh, through lots of mistakes and trial and error that there is a process involved in planning a church. And so um, part of that process is bringing a team of people together that can help shoulder the load of ministry. God, as you know, gifts the body with various gifts. Uh, some, uh, you know, some have the gift of teaching or or evangelism or, or hospitality or so many of those gifts are list, listed there for us. Um, but he gifts, gifts all of us in different ways. And I, I firmly believe that just because we're the pastor or, or the leader, uh, uh, teaching leader or whatever you want to call that, uh, doesn't make us any more important than the person who opens the doors on Sunday morning and greets people as they come in and makes them feel at home and welcome like you are so good about doing. Uh, you really are. All of those pieces together are what make a church function from week to week. And so part of our process is that we have, through the years, learned the importance of building a, a solid team of people who are on the same page. Um, it's kind of like if you had a job that needed to be done and you had 50 different ideas about how that job needed to be done. It would take you a long time to get the task accomplished. But when you bring a team of people together who, whose central focus is the same as yours as the planner, and that is to see lost men, women, and boys and girls come to faith in Jesus Christ and, and to build a, a work around that central idea or concept, then what happens is the team becomes strong and as goes the team, so goes the church. And so... Our desire over the next few weeks is to begin, we've already talked to some of you, have expressed interest, as well as some people from outside the congregation. Um, and so over the next few weeks, we want a, a chance to meet you and talk to you and, and see you know, what your heart is and, and how God might lead you to help us or to partner with us or certainly most importantly to pray for us. Uh, we look forward to sharing those, those conversations with you to see how you might be a part of that. I know that a lot of different things are going on there at, at Ebenezer already, and we're excited just to come alongside those people that are serving um, and see how we can help you and how we can work together uh, to build a congregation that reaches out into that community. I had this conversation with Pastor Mary, and Pastor said something so profound, and, and as he often does, and um, he said, you know, we can hand out clothes and food, and we can counsel, and we can encourage, and we can visit, and all of those things, all those things that are important parts of, of, of a church reaching its community. But the only way that that community, like any other community, is going to be changed is with the good news of the gospel of Jesus. And so I wanna, what I want you to know tonight um, is I want you to be confident of this, to use the words of the Apostle Paul, confident of this very thing, um, that our agenda is not to make a name for ourselves, not to make a name for Ebenezer, not to make a name for anyone. 
our agenda is clear and simple, and that is to see people come to faith in Jesus. That's the most important thing, is it not? Listen, if we exhausted all of our resources and we spent all of our energy and we dropped over only to have the next person take our place and we failed to share the gospel, then we have failed in our task. And so that is um, encapsulated, if you will, what our purpose is. And that is to reach that area between uh, 15th or 16th Street and 20th or 21st Street and 8th Avenue and over to Dalton or 10th. I, I can't remember the name of the streets. I should know those, Brother Bruce, because we've served there, but I, I don't remember those. But um, it's to reach that area with the good news that Jesus still loves and Jesus still saves. Amen? I got amen from a couple of you. Jesus still saves, and I'm so thankful for that. Um, there's a hope, as Pastor shared this morning, that can only be found in Jesus. You know, rehab is great, but rehab, just hear me out now, rehab is not what that community needs. Uh, clothing and food, as I said, are, are great, uh, and they, they do help build a bridge and provide opportunity, which we'll talk about here in just a moment. But clothing and food when it's all said and done, are not what that community needs. Jesus is what that community needs. And we want to be a part of God's plan already in motion. I heard someone from the, um, the uh, Heritage Foundation say this a long time ago in a conference. And he said, you know, so many times in ministry, this is especially true in church planting because, you know, you, you approach a plant with... Um, you know, your preconceived ideas and everything you learned in seminary and, and the thing you did at the last plant that worked and the thing you did at the last plant that did not work. You approach this new work with all of those tools in your belt, if you will. If you will. And oftentimes we are guilty uh, of forgetting the most important thing. And what I heard said was this, you know, so many times we create the wave Maybe it's time that we allow God to create the wave and we just learn to ride it. And so what we want, at Ebenezer, what your pastor wants in his heart at Ebenezer is a church in a community that desperately needs the good news of the gospel. So that when people come to our doors, be it for food or help or whatever the case may be, what they'll leave with is way more than they came for. And that's an encounter with Jesus who can change their life for eternity. Um, I have a long list of ideas, as I'm sure many of you who have worked there already and some of you have met about that work um, would have, and I would love to share those with you. Uh, I shared with someone this morning, um, we learned this uh, several years ago and and. You know, a lot of people come to you with ideas, and I'm sure the pastor, even in an established church like ours, uh, the pastor has experienced this. Lots of people come to you with ideas, and most of those, it, most of those, 90% of those are great ideas. But the bottom line is if they don't fit the vision of your church, then you don't need to be engaged in doing so. Oftentimes, the enemy will take something good, as you know he, he is masterful at, and, and twisting it and, and getting you distracted and off, off task. 
uh, so that what's most important gets left undone. And we don't want that to be the case. So uh, all, all that to say this, our goal is, is um, to reach out into that community with the good news that uh, Jesus saves. And he can save the lowest, most needy, desperate person. I know that because he saved me. And he saved you. Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we were without hope because we were without God in the world. What a hopeless, as you said this morning, what a hopeless state not to have the hope of Jesus in your life. And we want to give them the opportunity to experience that hope in a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So over the month of October, if I remember right, what we'd like for you to do, those of you who are interested, is to take October and to begin to pray yourselves as to how God may lead you to to be a part of the work that um, is going to happen at Ebenezer, to what extent or what level that would be. And as God gives you answers, um, then we certainly welcome you to come to us. And then the following month, we're going to sit down with the pastor and some of the ministry staff, and we're going to kind of look over those names and 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 reach out uh, to many of you and and see how we might put a team together uh, to approach the task of reaching the Ebenezer community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Isn't that exciting? Amen. Exciting that your church, our church, has the opportunity to go into a community that is desperately in need of a Savior and reach them with the good news of hope found only in Christ. Now, as I promised, I would be remiss if I didn't take an opportunity to preach for you, but I've got 17 minutes, and so I'm going to do this as quickly as possible. If you have your Bibles tonight, let me ask you to take them and turn to Acts chapter 8. Acts chapter 8, I want to share just some thoughts with you very quickly. Um, As we look at the life of a man named Philip, now, you may have heard or been taught that Philip the evangelist and Philip the disciple or the apostle were one and the same person, and scholarship is kind of up in the air on that. Uh, We look at history, the history of the church as far back as the second century, and we kind of see that they're not the same person. But Philip was one of the elders or or deacons raised up in the early church around the time of Stephen um, to minister to the needs of the church as a body, you know, so that the apostles, as Acts tells us, could devote themselves to prayer and the study of the word. And so Philip uh, is used by God in a mighty way. And, and I don't really have a title for this sermon, um, except just some thoughts that as I've read this passage of Scripture and I've looked at this man that was so mightily used of God, uh, not, you know, not a Paul or a Peter or a John, maybe someone you're not even really familiar with if you're not that familiar with the book of Acts. But Philip was certainly used of God in a mighty way. And I, I looked at this particular instance in his life and how God used him, and I thought, you know, in a way, this is how God may use someone who endeavors to be a part of a ministry like Lewis Memorial or like Ebenezer or any other church for that matter. What kind of a person does God Use Is God able to use? And I think we identify some things in the life of Philip that I want to share with you quickly. Um, I'm going to read uh, beginning in uh, the first part of the chapter. And then I'm going to skip, not for any reason except the story of Simon. Um, I'm going to skip that part because I want to skip down to the latter part of the chapter and share with you uh, what I really want to talk to you about uh, for just a few moments tonight. Verse 1 of chapter 8, the book of Acts says, And Saul approved of his execution being Stephen. And there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentation over him. But Saul was 
ravaging the church and entering house after house, he dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. And verse 4 says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word, and Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. And the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip when they heard him and saw the signs that he did for unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice uh, came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. Remember that as you skip over to verse 26 of this same chapter, we find Philip again. And after Peter and John, uh, the main apostles in the church that day, came down to this area where many Samaritans had received Christ and they laid hands on them and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they had gone back to Jerusalem. Verse 26 says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south, to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, scattered in, uh, set, seated in his chariot, rather sorry, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. The Spirit said to Philip, go over and join to his chariot. And so Philip ran and heard him and reading Isaiah the prophet asked, do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? Wow, what a door of opportunity, wide open, Brother Matt, is that right? I mean, how could you ask for any easier opportunity than that? And so as you know, the rest of the scripture goes, Philip got up in the chariot and he began to to teach him what Isaiah, that passage that we know, like a sheep was led to the slaughter, like a lamb before his shears is silent, so he opened not his mouth. And the eunuch said to Philip, about whom, I ask you, does this prophet say this, about himself or about someone else? Again, opportunity wide open. I love how God works. And then Philip opened his mouth and he began with the scripture. He told the good news about Jesus. And you know the rest of the story Obviously, the Ethiopian eunuch opened his heart and received Christ when he heard the good news because they went a little further and he said, hey, what prevents me from being baptized? And Philip said, well, since you believed, let's get to it. And so he baptized him and then the Holy Spirit led Philip away and the eunuch back home. As I look at how God was able to use Philip, I, pointed, uh, I was pointed to some things here in this passage. And let me just share these thoughts with you quickly in the time that we have remaining. I believe that for someone to be used of God like Philip was, for you and I to be used of God, I believe we have to look at ministry in this way. In the midst of obstacles, may we see opportunity. In the midst of obstacles, may we see opportunity. Now listen, Stephen had just been stoned. We were told that in the first part of the chapter. When this uh, first martyr of the, of the, the organized church uh, was Stephen, and, and Paul, as we learned, was responsible for that. Saul, later to be Paul, was responsible for that. But when this happened, in the first few verses of this chapter, it became open season on Christians. You read it there for yourself as we read together. The church began to be persecuted uh, unmercifully. And men and women were dragged out in the streets and were imprisoned, uh, a lot of them at the instruction or at the, the hand of the apostle, uh, soon to be Apostle Paul, now Saul of Tarsus. 
Um, but it was open season on the church and its leadership in Jerusalem. And as a result of this, Christians, including Philip, were scattered. But what does Scripture tell us they did? Read verse 4. They went about preaching the gospel. You see, Philip and these called out, separated, godly men and women didn't see this as an obstacle, rather an opportunity. It's kind of like what we learn from the book of James on over in the New Testament. You know, James begins his letter to the church saying, you know, to the 12 tribes which are scattered abroad, talking about the, uh, the diaspora or the the. the mass exodus of Christians uh, into the corners of the Roman Empire. Little did the um, emperor and his entourage know that they were sending out a mass exodus of missionaries who had in their heart the truth of the gospel. God makes no mistakes, amen? God makes no mistakes. But this same thing is described here in Acts. They took advantage of opportunity instead of seeing the persecution as an obstacle. Now, I don't know that we will encounter persecution as scripture tells us at Ebenezer, or you will encounter that here at Lewis, but we certainly have opposition in our lives, do we not? Sadly, a lot of the opposition to ministry endeavor comes from believers. Ooh, it really got quiet. Nobody in this room, I'm sure. But um, the fact of the matter is this. They're like David and, and all of the people that tried to tell him that he wasn't able to, to go up against Goliath. There are people who will tell you, hey, you want to serve God? You don't really have what it takes. You need some more time, some more polish. That can be an obstacle, if you will. Maybe it's a financial thing. Maybe it's a health issue. Maybe it's a lack of education. Maybe it's just a lack of opportunity prior or experience. Rather than seeing that as an obstacle, may we see those as opportunities for God to work in and through us. Because let's face it, isn't it really about God anyway? <laughs> Is it about you and me? Because if I remember the words of Jesus, he made this statement. Without me, you can do nothing. Without me, you cannot plant a church. Or you may gather a group of people together. And you may be on the same page for a while. You may have exciting, enthusiastic music and all of those things that people consider to be a church. But the true church will not be planted without God. You can't maintain a church like this fantastic church that God has given us here without God. Jesus said it clearly. Without me, you can do nothing. So are there obstacles really with God? Absolutely not. So whatever God brings your way or allows to come into your path, may we see it as opportunity instead of obstacle. In the midst of obstacles, may we see opportunity. So Philip took advantage of what he saw as opportunity and he did what he knew to do. He preached the gospel. And what was the result of that? Well, that brings us to our next point, because not only do we need to see uh, opportunity to save obstacles, but we see here in Philip's life that uh, this statement, I believe, that he makes by the way that he lives, and that's, that's something that you and I need to be able to say as well. May satisfaction not rob us of sensitivity. So well, what in the world are you talking about? I really don't know, so I wrote it down, but I really do know. Um, may satisfaction not rob us of sensitivity. In other words, when God speaks, may we not be so comfortable that we fail to hear him. Now, where do we get that from this passage? 
Well, on two occasions, God himself, through the angel of the Lord the first and through his spirit the second time, speaks to Philip. And obviously, Philip hears God speaking because he does what God says. Now, let me share with you something quickly as we move through this passage. Um, To use modern-day measure for success, Philip was red hot. Red hot. I don't mean he looked red hot. That would be sick. I mean, Philip's ministry was on fire. I mean, he was going strong. When you read down through there, if you go in and you read those verses uh, following verse 4, what we see that, that there were droves of people that were listening to Philip and they believed what he said about Jesus and they gave their heart and life to Christ and baptisms were taking place. Philip's ministry was on fire. He was going, you know, full, full throttle, um, very strong his ministry was. He was preaching and folks were responding, not just folks, but these were Samaritan folks. You know, the folks that nobody liked, especially the Jews, they considered them illegitimate Um, and we don't need to go into all the details about that, but these weren't the popular people. But God was reaching them with a message of his son through a man called Philip. And he was enjoying ministry success. And so if Philip was like you and I, when things are going good, you know, we just kind of kick back and put our feet up and say, well, you know, God must be pleased with me. You know, I'm satisfied. I'm good right where I'm at. Now listen, hear hear me clearly. I'm not not suggesting even that God would move any of you that are sitting sitting here tonight from Lewis Memorial Baptist Church to join Ebenezer or missionary effort or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is this. Oftentimes we enjoy a little bit of success and we become comfortable. And oftentimes the case is this. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, I want you here or I want you doing this or that. And we miss the message altogether. May satisfaction not rob us of sensitivity. God spoke and Philip heard God's voice. Tonight, if your desire is to be used of God, don't allow your comfort or your satisfaction with your family, with your job, with your church, with your school, whatever the case may be, don't allow that satisfaction to rob you of being sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he speaks. So oftentimes we do see that, you know, satisfaction or being settled robs us of sensitivity. May that not be the case if we desire to be used of God. Thirdly, uh, and we'll wrap it up here, and that's this. And I asked my family on the way here if they understood what I was saying, and they, they got it, so hopefully you'll get it. And if you don't, just don't, don't tell me, okay? Um, but that is this. May the call alone determine our availability. Opportunity, sensitivity, availability. You know, I know your pastor has used this before, and if I'm not mistaken, Trey um, said this last time when, when we were here and he spoke. That God really doesn't need your ability. He just needs your availability. And so what we see here in Philip is that God's voice was heard. And when God spoke, simply put, Philip obeyed. He got on the desert road from Jerusalem to Gaza. He encountered the Ethiopian eunuch. 
He got up in the chariot when God told him to. He shared the scriptures and he told about Jesus when God told him. He was available. May the call alone determine our availability. What do I mean by that? Well, quickly put, it's this. God made a statement. God's word made a statement here when he said, I want you to get on the road that goes south from Jerusalem to Gaza. Notice the next little phrase in your Bible. God was quick to remind Philip of one thing. This is desert. In other words, it's not a super highway. You're not going to another great ministry opportunity. You're not going to go here in the desert and have a crusade and have lots of people flock to you and hear what you have to say. This is desert. It's going to be hard work. But the call alone determined Philip's availability. In other words, our lives should be lived in such a way that when God says go, we simply pack up and go. When God says do, we do exactly what he says. The call alone, the privilege of service should determine our availability. I wrote the words of this song, and with this we close. A song I heard years ago, I don't even remember who sang it. And you may know, and if you'll tell me later, I can write the name down uh, when I use it again. But the words of this song says it this way. Give me ears to hear your spirit. Give me feet to follow through. Give me hands to touch the hurting and the faith to follow you. Give me grace to be a servant. Give me mercy for the lost. Give me passion for your glory. Give me passion for the cross. And I will go where there are no easy roads. Leave the comforts that I know. I will go and let this journey be my home. I will go. I will go. May the call alone determine our availability. What kind of person can God use to plant a church, to minister in an established church, to go to the mission field? People that see opportunity, people that exercise sensitivity, and people that are simply willing to be available when God calls. Perhaps God is calling you. It may not be to serve here. It may not be to serve at Ebenezer. Perhaps God is calling you to a foreign field. Perhaps God is calling you simply to a closer walk with him because that is where our service really begins. Simply sharing with others the person that we have come to love in the person of Christ. Whatever the call is, may that call alone determine your availability.